Welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, where we celebrate the craft of poetry. Each week, we feature interviews with incredible poets and artists, including Olivia Gatwood and A.E. Stallings, and original poetry read by the authors. I'm your host, James Moorhead, poet laureate of Dublin, California, and author of Canvas and Portraits of Red and Gray. In this week's episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, we feature two wonderful poets, each reading poems they submitted to Viewless Wings. The poems are also available on our website, viewlesswings.com. To submit your poetry for possible inclusion in a future episode, visit viewlesswings.com and tap the Submit button or find us on Submittable. I'll close the episode by reading a selection from my book, Canvas Poems. I'll now hand the mic over to our first selected poet. My name is Kelly Shoker. I'm a writer, video editor, and documentary filmmaker based in South Florida. I also write fiction under the pen name Charlotte Dune. This poem, called Chiboko Boy, is really about the outcomes that can happen when children are shuffled around and neglected by their parents. And it was inspired largely by the time period in my life when I worked in Uganda and Cameroon during my 20s and the different adult men that I met there who had experienced this type of childhood. Chiboko boy. He threw the fork his servant touched, silver to his cassava peel lips, over the compound wall, rubble, it fell on dry grass. Dirt the color of Mars. He was six. Peeping through the keyhole at the Mombasa Beach Hotel, a woman bent on her knees by a man seated on the bed. He sees things, improper things to be seen. He was eight. They turn off the lights at boarding school. He beats the younger boys with sticks. He calls it the Chiboko Squad. He was ten. Chiboko means stick in his language, he tells them. He touches them, they touch him, playing in the dark with his boyfriends. He was 12. None of them remember his words. They force him to learn Kiswahili. Their heads are all shaved. No Ugandan lice here. He was 14. Collecting birds and small things, cheap Chinese sunglasses, imported Italian silk neckties, American candy bars, English slang. He was 16. When there's trouble, like a letter he's sent, this time to Maryland, his half-sister takes him in. No one asks who her real father is. He wonders if all his mother's children were mistakes. He was 18. She shows him the states and outside countries, cream-colored girls with thin hips, things to fill his time so far from back home. He was 20. There are credit cards and no one watching in this forested place where they don't know their place or who his father is. The things he buys are what he always wanted. He was 22. But they find him through the shoeboxes and numbers, fake names printed in raised letters like Braille. He was 24. His last day begins with a gun and ends on a plane. He returns to the compound with sacks and tells his father's servants not to touch them. Don't throw them away, he says. If they go missing, I will beat you. 
In the garden now there are many moldy chairs, under a mango tree swollen with rotting fruit, behind high walls, broken bottles, and cement. His parents suffer from gout and old age. He drinks many beers and sits in the chairs. He throws out all the old forks. He does not eat food anyway. Knives he keeps. What else to sharpen the sticks? Spoons he keeps. The cards he keeps. They are just plastic squares here, only perfect for cutting dust. He was 26. My name is Lawrence Bridges. My poetry has appeared in the New Yorker Poetry, and I've published three volumes of poems, Horses on Drums and Flip Days with Red Hen Press and Brownwood with Tupelo. The structure, or at least the way this poem got started, was thinking about a knock-knock joke. Its title is, You'll Find Yourself Who. You'll find yourself who? Who's there? You'll find yourself, early one morning, asked by your handlers to analyze, using trigonometry, the nature of the structure where we all find ourselves by daylight. The load-bearing armatures are chrome, a nice environment to enrapture with thought, sweet from a distance, overpowering all trees. Since I'm given to climbing, I'm adored by other primates who grip, ascend, and observe the flat world of forests, somewhere a river, somewhere an ocean. First feeling, hunger. Second, sex. Third, curiosity about the faraway. And fourth, fear. I rise from the coma of age to meaningful fruit, bodies, wonder, and terror, huddling with loved ones on the avenues, batching the brew of natural fermentation, waking up clear-headed to greet the morning, underslept, with dreams strangers, still in distress. I'm going back to sleep next to my wife, to see if the world there is better, or if I am, inside the chrome planet that won't stop rotating into troubled dawns. To close out this episode, I'm going to read my poem, The Green Line, from my book, Canvas Poems. The Green Line by James Moorhead. Now, the Green Line trolley rumbles past Park Street, Boylston, Arlington, Copley, Hines Convention Center, Kenmore, Fenway, Longwood, Brooklyn Village, Brooklyn Hills, Beaconsfield, Reservoir, Chestnut Hill. Each stop blurring one into another, a Boston policeman sitting silent next to me, stiff cap, pointed badge, crisp jacket, black boots, eyes forward. My parents anxiously awaiting outside Newton Center Station. I am 11. 45 minutes ago, I do what I always do, locked in routine. Go down into the station, put the fare in the fare box, spin through the turnstile, turn right, stairs down, the tunnel beneath the tracks, connecting east to west and home. The station quiet and empty. I turn to take the first step down. They surround me from the tunnel's shadows, 10 boys, maybe 12, buzzing with excitement. One pushes me and another, and then a hand clamps over my mouth. In that moment, a memory burns, fingers rough on my lips, sticky smell, a sweaty palm, a burst of terror unable to breathe. 
They pull me, wrestling down the stairs, smothered mouth, screams, tears, panic, and then, in a moment, a shout from across the tracks. They scatter into the shadows. The policeman must have appeared, or perhaps a ticket seller or passerby. I remember nothing and will never know. Seconds, minutes, hours, my mind erased by each stolen breath. And after a time, sitting silent on the green line trolley. Fifty minutes ago, I do what I always do, locked in routine. Go from McDonald's to the Park Street station. Don't cross the street. Go into the station. Go down the stairs, into the tunnel, and under the tracks. That's how you go home. My heart is racing when they appear, ten boys, maybe twelve, laughing, surrounding me, blocking the station entrance. Where are you going? Leave me alone, my shy voice trembling. Again they disappear, so I step down. Sixty minutes ago. I do what I always do, locked in routine. After choir practice, grab dinner next door, at McDonald's. Twenty should be plenty. Remember to bring home change. When turning from the counter, my tray full of dinner, two boys approach. Are you alone? Yes, my shy voice trembles, knowing yes is the wrong answer. And then they are gone, leaving me alone, sweat trickling down my neck. 65 minutes ago. I do what I always do, locked in routine. Grab dinner before coming home. McDonald's is next door. I walk out of the Cathedral Church of St. Paul, steps away from Boston's Freedom Trail, breathing in crisp fall air, choir practice hymns ringing in my ears. I am ready for dinner and the Green Line home. It was Wednesday. The Green Line was written based on a real experience that happened when I was 11. And it was a very difficult poem to write, as any poem about a traumatic experience is difficult to write. In my case, I found it very liberating to get all those feelings and emotions and memories written down, and then to be able to step back a notch and analyze the words and focus on it as a piece of poetry. Uh, it helped to get that memory out of my mind. It doesn't disappear. I don't forget it but it's different now. It's a poem that also is an experience I had rather than just an experience I had. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast. Subscribe to hear more interviews and poets share their work. Thank you. The Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dublin Ranch. Subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings. Wings.